Hi, my name is Richard Pickering and I work at Cushman and Wakefield. Welcome to the 202nd edition of Futures Cut, where I offer an opinion on the evolving role of real estate in a world of technological, social and business change. So today we're talking about the sustainability of our cities. The concepts of the future and sustainability are inextricably linked. It's quite simple. If the future is to look like the present, then current activities need to be sustainable. Of course, they rarely are sustained in the long run, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Perhaps the old way wasn't serving us particularly well, or perhaps we found a new or better way uh, to do things. It's in our nature to seek out innovation and strive for progress. The challenge arises when the departure from the status quo is not a choice, but rather an externality forced upon us with negative consequences. Many such departures arise due to resource depletion. For instance, if you've mined 90% of the gold in a gold mine, then future mining will not be indefinitely sustainable. Against the desire of the mine owner to extract profit forever, that's clearly not possible. In other situations, the outcome is more influenceable and less clear cut. These typically involve a trade-off. For instance, in the face of rising costs, the current operations of the NHS may no longer be sustainable. There are, of course, solutions, for instance, raising taxes or diverting funding from other departments, but that will mean taking pain elsewhere. Perhaps the trade-off will mean another activity, such as your weekly meal out or the current cost of your season ticket is no longer sustainable. Now, the challenge of our times lies in one of these very difficult trade-offs. We either reduce carbon emissions or we incur what might be devastating impacts of global warming. This could be formulated as a Hobson's choice, i.e. one that has, uh, in, in truth, only one answer, but it isn't. Whereas the impacts of climate change are manifest, the sacrifices associated with carbon reduction are no walk in the park either. For investors, they include a significant premature write-down in asset values due to functional and regulatory obsolescence. And for everybody else, they mean a reduction in the consumption and, contain and curtailing of their lifestyles. The reality is that every day we implicitly determine this trade-off in our behaviours and our commercial activities. The choice is a very real one and we are making it. And on balance, we're choosing climate change. The actions or inactions of governments around the world and all of us as consumers put us on a course that I think is going to be very difficult in the longer term. You know, who knows, maybe we will innovate our way out of this trade-off. However, the likelihood is that we will probably now uh, bear both the penalties of obsolescence, the cost of new infrastructure, and also the impacts of climate change. And this is the terrible middle ground that results from a half-hearted trade-off, and it's going to be hugely influential on the future of our cities. Of course, if that was all there was uh, to worry about, then that would be an, a lot to deal with. However, I'm afraid the truth is much scarier. There's a raft of sustainability challenges hitting our cities across multiple domains, of which the environment is just one. The city is the most complex human ecosystem. Um, against epithets like eternal or timeless, cities are often finely balanced networks that can be subject to quite significant change. They require many resources to sustain them, uh, many of, of which are neither infinite nor renewable. And whilst people do uh, tend to have a, a habit of staying where they were born, this trend is decreasing and therefore cities are reliant on the continuation of sometimes capricious demand. 
people and businesses need to enduringly want to participate in the outputs and activities of their city. Whereas increasingly, urbanites are mobile and have choices to move if their city no longer services their needs. Environmental sustainability is, is front page news, but in the city context, economic sustainability is perhaps equally important. Indeed, this broader definition is recognised in UN Sustainability Goal 11, which describes sustainable cities as ones which are dedicated to green sustainability, social sustainability and economic sustainability. But it's also other things, sustainability of energy and food supplies, resilience um, and reliance on external supply chains, sustainability of biodiversity, sustainability of land use and infrastructure, and of course, the impact of inequalities on social sustainability. Now, over time, urban theorists and practitioners have evolved their thinking on how to promote sustainability and well-being in the city context. Starting in the early 1900s with an agenda to clean up pollution and slums, we saw the codification of land use and the introduction of a planned approach to development. The next wave was about personal space, uh, including, for instance, Ebenezer Howard's Garden City concept, uh, the Australian quarter acre plot, and the push into suburbs like uh, Metroland on the edge of London. This addressed contemporary issues, but created new ones, which set the agenda for modern urbanist approaches. As big cities grew and sprawled further outwards, so the time to move around them and the cohesion of local communities suffered. Particularly true of the uh, modern North American cities that were free from the kind of confining shackles of their medieval European cousins. Personal space also meant urban sprawl, perhaps the single biggest problem faced in modern urbanist thinking. Out of this challenge came the new urbanist movement and cities that promoted density, walkability and active frontages. Alongside new urbanism, uh, we've also seen the emergence of smart growth principles in the 1970s and more recently, eco cities, smart cities, and now, of course, 15 minute cities. The modern focus is very clearly anchored in sustainability, social inclusion and the efficient allocation of resources. Now, collectively, this feels very obvious thinking today and is built into most contemporary policy. However, the legacy of urban sprawl is, is very hard to unpick. The majority of cities is about what's already been built under a different regime rather than the annual delta of new best practice. And the degree of effectiveness of new interventions also often gets lost under the weight of new economic and resource pressures. Perhaps as a consequence of this, the UN Environment Programme assesses that most cities are on a path of environmental degradation, have inadequate infrastructure and over-reliance on cars, and suffer from a basic lack of services. Cities suffer from unsustainably low levels of housing delivery, particularly at the bottom end. Commute times are getting higher. Homes are getting smaller. We have less and less external amenity per capita and crime and mental health challenges are growing disproportionately in our cities. Otherwise put, cities, particularly big cities, are getting worse. And they're getting worse because the standards of living and other quality factors determined in a previous age are no longer sustainable in the modern environment and economy. This, along with climate change, is perhaps one of the biggest issues of our time, one that touches all of you, and one which has a bearing on how we use and invest in real estate. Suburbanism clearly hasn't worked, but it also looks like densification isn't doing too well either. Is it time for a, a new approach, I wonder? 
So this topic, as you probably guessed, is far too big to crunch into one uh, podcast. However, I'm going to try and set out um, in what follows uh, a kind of 101 of the headlines you need to be thinking about in this hugely important area. Let's start with land use. So only 9% of land in the UK is urban. That's about 3% globally. Uh, 28% is used for grazing animals and a significant percentage of the rest has uh, no real role in our commerce or supply chain. So we aren't even close to running out of land, despite what the alarmists might tell you. However, we are running out of land where it counts. There are vast tracts of land in the world with very low population density, either they're inhospitable or they're very distant from population nodes. And then there are super dense population centres that have grown into today's economic hubs. Now, over the past 200 years, this has become more and more polarised due to industrialization and urbanization. The pressure is now therefore being felt in these dense urban centers, whereas other areas of the world are wasted from an urban perspective. We need to reopen thinking about creating new towns rather than adding to those already under significant strain, in my opinion. Okay, the second topic's about infrastructure, and it picks up on where I left off with land use. So in theory, Density is a good thing, let's be clear about that. It reduces travelling and it makes resource consumption more efficient. However, density also puts pressure on amenity ratios. Because density is typically achieved through height. And so as we get denser, the ratio of people to ground floor space and amenity like parks and so on increases. And so everybody gets a bit less than they used to. And this includes roads, which therefore get more congested and more polluted, and travel time increases as a consequence. Density also increases the marginal cost of delivery. What do I mean by that? Well, every time you dig a new tube line, for instance, you need to dig a bit deeper to get under the other ones. And every time you build a taller skyscraper, because you're going higher, the incremental costs, unit cost of delivery get higher. Now, the value of increased density is therefore asymptotic. And many cities around the world, I believe, have got to a tipping point where further density is not going to be sustainable. So I put it to you, we need to acknowledge the limit of densification and shift our growth focus to cities that still have capacity and desire to densify. Okay, let's talk about industrial diversification. So some cities are poorly diversified from an industrial perspective. And that creates significant risks to their economic sustainability. Uh, taking up the kind of uh, uh, analogy I was using earlier, the classic example is that of a mining town like, um, like Bodhi in California or Hashima Island in Japan. So when the mine dries up, the mining company leaves and the city loses its purpose and spirals into economic decline. A kind of similar example would be that of a company town where one business dominates the local economy. The company leaves or goes bust, then the town typically will fail. There are also risks in the case of strong agglomerations. Uh, for instance, if a city uh, is built on the fossil fuel sector and that sector in the coming decade gets regulated out of existence, that city will likely fail. Or if a city is exposed uh, to a specific function, you know, like core centres, and that model is disrupted, let's say, by technology, then that city is going to face challenges. So a sustainable city, in my view, is one that has a well-diversified and future-focused industrial strategy. I mentioned resilience earlier. Let's talk about self-sufficiency. 
So if any ecosystem is reliant on externalities, then it is less sustainable, clearly, than one which is not. Um, to take an extreme example on that, um, all of us humans on Earth are 100% reliant on the sun, um, something over which we have no control. If the sun blows up, um, we die, and there's not a lot we can do about it. Um, taking that down to a city level, some cities are reliant on external financial subsidy, let's say from central government. Um, now, this is often subject to political women, therefore that presents a risk to the uh, economic sustainability of that city. At a macro level, uh, the UK is 80% reliant on external supply chains for food and, and actually many other commodities. And contrast that with, say, Shanghai, where 63% of food consumed in Shanghai is created within the city limits. It's a very different uh, picture of self-sufficiency. Of course, the topic of our day is energy self-sufficiency, and that puts even more pressure on building economically sustainable, renewable supplies for the future. So a sustainable city is one that has a high degree of self-sufficiency. I said economic sustainability is important, and so is commercial sustainability. You know, every market is subject to supply and demand variations, that's natural. But since they tend to swing to equilibrium over time, that doesn't necessarily create sustainability challenges. However, where there's a sharp structural correction, or perhaps there's a one-way trajectory for demand, then the sustainability of commerce in that city is threatened. Over the past uh, 20 years, for instance, we've seen a fairly linear progression of e-commerce adoption, which has meant that former volumes of retail space are no longer sustainable. Similarly, uh, the removal of weekday footfall from city centres associated with uh, new emerging work models has left businesses which rely on regular daily footfall, or for instance, train operators that rely on five days worth of uh, peak travel, um, unviable. And I believe the work model shift um, that we're seeing now has the potential to be the biggest disruptor of the economic sustainability, not of offices, but of our cities uh, in the next decade. And there's a flip side to this, and that's positive commercial shock. So, so sometimes good news can actually be bad news. So the arrival of a large corporate occupier in a city theoretically should be good news. If, however, that occupier is dominant on a segment of the economy and attracts new roles that are outside of the structure of the existing labour market, then the transition period um, arising from their, their arrival could be painful for local residents. So a classic example of that is the arrival of a large tech occupier being uh, big wages, which attracts uh, in-movers. Now, whereas uh, the hope is for trickle-down benefits for everybody in that city, often the housing market can't adjust quickly enough, uh, with the effect that locals, uh, ones who are there already, get priced out and gentrification and two-tier markets emerge. The former economic balance is no longer sustainable and existing res residents, particularly renters who, who have less security, get pushed out. So a sustainable city, I'd put it to you, is one that can absorb positive economic shocks effectively, which means it needs to have a quick and responsive decision-making ability and the ability to accelerate land supply uh, in response to new demand. We've talked about sort of um, commercial factors, but um, equality is another huge factor in our cities, or particularly inequality. And in the, in the long run, I put it to you that inequalities are theoretically unsustainable. For a few people to hold the majority of the resources, the common goods, the public goods, 
um, and the advantages in cities is both unfair and liable to change pressures and uh, advocacy for change. In general, however, urban economics promotes inequality uh, in that land is allocated with preference to the rich and the profitable. Um, land ownership has proven to widen the wealth gap and result in other socioeconomic challenges. For instance, uh, poorer people are priced out of central and desirable areas, which reduces their opportunities and increases their inconvenience. Poorer people, as an example, tend to live in areas of greater pollution, worse health outcomes, less access to green space and weaker infrastructure. So sustainable cities, I put it to you, are ones which create inclusive growth and balance effectively and fairly the needs of multiple stakeholders. Okay, the big one's obviously the environment. Um, for most cities around the world, flooding is the biggest environmental risk. And cities are disproportionately exposed to these risks because historically, if we go back in time, many were founded in coastal areas or around ports or near major watercourses. That was what was needed to drive their early success. Um, so for some cities around the world now, three degrees of global warming, that's about a 1.5 metre predicted sea level rise, would put them literally underwater. Now, some of our biggest global cities are affected by that. It's not just um, kind of island groups like the Maldives. It's places like New York, Miami, Tokyo, Osaka, Ho Chi Minh, Kolkata, Amsterdam, obviously. And they would be very seriously affected by sea level rise. Whereas equally, many smaller towns and cities will also suffer greatly from things like increased storm surge uh, in the pathway to 2040. Uh, for some cities, this may mean extinction. And in preparedness for this, I think that many cities now need to start taking action immediately to safeguard their future. As an example of that, uh, Jakarta is spending uh, $40 billion on a seawall uh, in defence of its um, urban uh, realm. So sustainable cities uh, must surely have a clear plan for how they will manage climate change. And that plan needs to start now. Um, let's talk about population. Uh, we talked about land use earlier and expansion of population. But set against the explosion of growth in South Asia and Africa, many cities around the world are now, in fact, losing population. Many countries in Europe, Greece, Italy, Portugal, Balkans, Baltic states, are already population negative, as we see now with China and South Korea. And most of Europe may well be population negative by 2040. Population growth is, as you will be aware, one of the biggest determinants of GDP growth, uh, inward investment and economic sustainability. Without it, multiple challenges emerge, including uh, economic sustainability, financial sustainability, social cohesion and personal wealth reduction. And we've, we've seen some of these um, materialise in, in Japan, for example, a country that has been subject to a long period of population decline. So offsetting population decline in the West, of course, is high levels of migration currently that might or might not exist in the future. Um, um, but that will have obviously a significant potential to increase if climate change effects exacerbate increasing climate migration. So sustainable cities of the future need to develop strategies to both manage population increase, which has been the challenge of today, but also the potential for population decline, which might be the challenge of tomorrow. The last point I wanted to mention was urban greening, something I'm personally passionate about. Uh, modern cities have been built on asphalt and concrete. Um, and as a consequence, we see 
a continued reduction in biodiversity in cities and city fringes as habitats are threatened or removed. A secondary consequence of urbanisation is what's called the urban heat island effect, uh, with urban materials attracting and absorbing larger amounts of thermal energy than extra urban locations. Now, this in turn creates thermal pollution in urban watercourses, uh, damaging ecology and increasing air pollution. Asphalt cities also increase the risk of flash flooding, uh, whereas loss of ecology and green space, um, by the way, 12% of Brits don't have access to private external space, has been shown to damage mental health. So for all these reasons, I, I passionately believe that a sustainable city is a green city. Okay, that's a, a bit about everything I think you need to know about um, the sustainability of our cities. Obviously, there's much more to unpack in this conversation. But in combination, these factors are very real ones, as well as the obvious social impacts, they're each going to have a bearing on the future value of assets within those cities. In some cases, the glide path and risk profile is going to be much steeper than in others. However, I believe these principles and challenges are ubiquitous and will sit at the core of investor decision making much more explicitly, I think, over the next decade. So I've painted a slightly gloomy picture. Is, is all hope lost for cities? Look, I think the, the, the pragmatic truth is that the outlook certainly appears challenging. Uh, but thankfully, there are a number of innovations uh, in the domains of urbanism, technology, policy and data that I do believe offer positive news and hope for the future. So the next um, edition of Futures Cut will be dedicated uh, to those. Uh, in the meantime, uh, why not check out our vision for the future of cities on our interactive Future of Cities website? I'll include uh, the link in the details of the podcast. Okay, that's all for today. I hope you found this discussion around uh, sustainable cities interesting. Uh, if you did, then why not check out some of the back editions of this uh, podcast on our website, futures.cushmanwakefield.co.uk. Uh, as I say, you, you'll see I've also included a link to our Future of Cities Lab uh, in the podcast description. Have a great day, guys, and hope to see you again soon.